Nuclear. Now is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Okay, today we're going to start out by looking at a tweet, and I'll just read the tweet, and and some of it's going to be almost a little bit of nonsense, but we'll get into it. Here's the tweet. It's comforting to know that Bozo, um, Bozell, will get screwed all over again when the worm turns against Trump. Being a quizzling's quizzling is quite an accomplishment. Okay, I'm going to leave aside most of that tweet, uh, but we're going to look, I think, at the word quizzling here, and... I do, in fact, know what quizzling means. My my history might be a little sketchy, so forgive me on that. But quizzling was, I believe, the head of state of Norway around World War II, and his government collaborated with the Nazis. And so that name, quizzling, sort of turned into a term for someone who works with the enemy or maybe more generally a traitor, sort of just like a Benedict Arnold. That word, quizzling, I'm guessing is maybe a word that fewer and fewer people know at this point. And maybe you can correct me on that, but maybe the farther we get away from that actual point in history, the less common that word is. Fletcher, this is exactly why we chose the word. It was really interesting for both of us. Uh, Up here at, at Toronto, I was at the University of Toronto campus, and I mentioned the word, and virtually everyone under 40 had no idea what the word was one person i mean these are all educated grad students or you know professors or whatever one person knew vaguely that it was not a good thing to be called one but didn't have any idea of the history or the background to it everyone over 40 pretty much knew the word and this is what prompted us to talk about it. But then the thing that was interesting is that Ross brought it up to me and said um, he was just, it was just in conversation saying he was just shocked that no one knew the word quizzling. He said, of course, I remember the story about quizzling. So I paused and I said, okay, I know what a quizzling is. And in fact, the one thing I was always picking on is that it's, it's technically or wasn't interchangeable with trader. It was a specific type of trader. And Ross said, though, that what he knew was who it was based on. I had no idea there was a person named Quizzling. I didn't, or was that, was his name Quizzling or was it Quiz, Quiz something? It was Quizzling. We couldn't Quizzling. I didn't know that. And then I started, then my husband, who was a history buff, of course, knew that. And what got me was just how the word is in the language vaguely now. I know what it is, but I had no idea of its background. But most people don't even know what it is. And then other people know its background, but aren't as clear as to what it is. And then we looked at Google Ngram, which records, you know, usage of words in books. And the interesting thing for us was we thought that it would be on a steady decline. The word quizzling shot up in the 1940s for obvious reasons, but it's still used sort of steadily at about 15% of what it used to be used in the 1940s. So it seems to be kind of there, but not there. I wouldn't recommend using it, though, because you might end up bewildering a lot of readers, but it's still there. Although I think it's one of those words that that people like to use. We've talked about this in the past, or certainly alluded to it. 
sort of like as a hoity-toity, hotsy-totsy trader. And you sound like, ooh, quizzling. You know what I mean? I, I, I have a feeling, especially like in a tweet, let's be frank here. I mean, it, it makes you sound sort of like, you know, whoa, somebody to be reckoned with, do you think? I mean, it's one of those words to me that you use possibly without even being completely sure of its meaning because you, you think it sounds cool. I think you're right. It's also sort of a nasty thing to call someone. There was another uh, VanityFair.com that we found that said, uh, that called Mitch McConnell and Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, this is from 217, called them quizlings. Automatically, it sounds like this is really nasty. So I think Kathy's right on that. Which reminds me, do you know the word to quizzle? To quizzle? There is a verb? This was the fun one. Yeah, in the 1940s, it died almost immediately. But, the, I mean, there was like an American speech that the OED quote, I'm Nazi sympathizers who might quizzle. <laughs> <laughs> It was a back formation. <laughs> I can get behind bringing that one back. I like that one. I, I love think it. You make a real effort. It looks good spelled too. Q U I S L E. I know. Just, there's something about it. It's it's very. It it appeals to one, doesn't it? I know. I think it's better. Even with that, even with that tweet that uh, Fletcher just mentioned. I mean, Bozell is 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 a quizzling. I like Bozell is quizzling all the time. He quizzles every day. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That reminds me of the horrible joke, the Kipling joke. Oh, I you love that. that. Tell it, Kat. Tell it. I Do you love like that Kipling? Joke. I don't know. I've never kippled. So see, there's a takeoff on it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, of course, this all goes to a larger issue, which is, you know, being a little bit older, we are often confused by terms that younger people are using uh, and sometimes just don't know what the kids are talking about. But it kind of goes the other way, too, because sometimes we're using words that younger people and I, I'm saying younger people. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, incredibly old myself. But I'm kind of in that middle range. But but words that younger people maybe don't know because they've they've just kind of faded even though they're words that we would assume everybody knows because they've been commonly used as we've grown up oh exactly and this leads us to our to the main one of the main foci of of uh focuses of today i'm sorry i say foci um, <laughs> aren't we quizzling <laughs> yeah we've talked about foci ross okay come on <laughs> but we're, we're fossil words these are words that have basically disappeared from normal usage except that they're used in an idiom or in a in a, in a little bunch of words together and you know we know a lot of the words like hue and cry etc the end is nigh etc but these are words that like Quizzling are beginning were beginning to die out. These are words that died out completely. They're dead, except in this one and or they two. They exist, as Ross said. They exist not as a word itself, typically. I mean, some of them do, but more often than not, they're just part of an idiom or phrase, and they live in that. And some of them are actually the word itself, like Ross said, hue and cry. The word hue and hue and cry we know is a color, right? But that's a different hue. So there's a bunch of those words that are still existing in this sort of like weird cast in amber state. So the words don't exist apart from being in in that phrase itself. They don't exist in common usage. Uh, yeah, there was okay. an interesting article where someone was talking about fossil words, and then he, he got all sorts of angry uh, emails from people who claim to be very literary, and they said, well, I use this word all the time. And of course they do. A fossil word can be used frequently. The problem is it's not used in the usage that we that was traditional. It's now become fossilized in that one statement. And hue and cry. Another one, a good one is uh, the end is nigh. 
that's used a lot in in writing still the end is nigh for the deutschmark the end is nigh for the uh actually more in this case probably the sterling but we don't use nigh in normal usage the one that gets me because some of them when you think about it are, are so obvious like adieu the word adieu you pretty much only say without further ado or much ado about nothing but do you ever, I'm, I'm just trying to think, have either of you ever used the word ado in conversation if it's not in those phrases? Or in a crossword puzzle? Yeah, right. Well, crossword puzzles doesn't even count. <laughs> I have all those crossword puzzle words that I suspect don't even exist in, in real life, you know? No, but of course, of course, I've never used, of course, I've never used ado. No, that's another example of a good fossil word. One of the interesting ones for me was merchant navy, because navy we do use commercial navy because it means merchant navy it means commercial fleet but the navy part we only use now for like a, a military thing it's the u.s navy that's that has gunboats and you know battleships and all of that that navy is an old word that means merchant fleet and it's only preserved in things like merchant navy or playwright i just thought of it playwright's another one oh, with the right part wr no that's actually i disagree slightly because you've that's used in certain um craftsmen words isn't it right like a metal right I, you don't say metal right it, do you i never say metal right well, I, don't, I, I am now <laughs> <laughs> stand by that right it's right i tell you no don't aren't there other uh, uh, there must be other words with right in it it sounds too too common right was originally a word that meant craftsman but mostly with wood and then carpenter came over and took up wood right wood right i used to go to oh no i took a woodsmith course never but that mind. carpenter took over and then you've got I think you have, um, I can think of shipwright and playwright. I can't think of any other Wheel rights. Right. What about you, Fletcher? Can you think of any other rights? No, I can't think of another right at all. And also, I kind of wonder how many people spell playwright incorrectly these days. Well, here's a great sentence. I just thought of it. The playwright and the copywriter ah. wrote copyrightable Ooh, you're getting fancy. <laughs> so in one way, this isn't actually a huge problem because a lot of these words we are only using in very specific phrases or or as idioms and and that's the only time we use them we don't go around trying to use them in other contexts but the flip side is that some of these words we don't even realize might cause a problem until we say them out loud to someone and they stare at us like they have no idea what we're talking about and that's a really good point fletcher and it's a real problem for english language learners there, there are some estimates that there are 25,000 different idiomatic expressions. So, I mean, when you get a fossilized word in that, you've got a lot of problem for someone learning. It's raining cats and dogs. I mean, I think you can guess if you're not a native English speaker what it's raining cats and dogs means. But it's awkward for someone learning it. And if you use them so frequently, it's really dangerous for someone trying to learn the language. It's hard. And you get into eggcorns a lot, as we've talked about eggcorns before, when you say something that sounds sounds logical and right, but it's wrong. I mean, I'm thinking of high dudgeon. The word is dudgeon, D-U-D-G-E-O-N. Um, and it means, you know, you're in high dudgeon, you're, you're annoyed, you're, you've got wrath. And it comes, actually, they think the word dudgeon initially meant a... Um, what do you call it, a dagger or a knife. So if you're in high dudgeon, you're grabbing for it and you're going to go for someone's throat, I assume. People think it's, they've never heard the word dudgeon. So people now say in high dungeon all the time, which means nothing. But they think it does, and it sounds like it ought to. Um, the other one I was thinking of, what was the other one? Oh, on tenter hooks, you know, meaning like, you know, you're, you're, you're tense, you're, you're nervous, you're excited, anticipatory. People think it's on tender hooks because they've never heard of a tenter hook. And again, it's wrong, 
but you assume because you've never heard of the word tenterhooks because it's a fossil word, it must tenterhooks sounds much more logical. On a more quibbly note, one of my favorite uh, idioms is hoist by, you know, hoist by his own petard. And I hear two things. I hear hoisted a lot. And totally. And hoisted is actually incorrect. It comes from Shakespeare and it was a. Hoist by his own petard. He was hoist with his own petard, is I think the phrase in Shakespeare. Yes, that's right, with. With. But the interesting thing with hoist is that hoist is the past tense of an old fossil verb that's really fossil. It's way underground. Hoist. And the T ending is the past tense ending of hoist. So if you're doing a double past tense, if you say hoisted in the sense of this idiom. Now, of course, we use hoist and we say hoisted. But in the in the days when this was written, and it is correctly written as hoist with his own petard, because that's the past tense. Hoys, hoist. That was one I used to always be really snitty about, I must say, as a former English lit major. I was always going, it's hoist, you know, <laughs> much to the irritation of those around me. And then I would talk about petards. <laughs> that's one of my pet peeves, too. I'm going to throw something out right here, right now, though. It's probably off topic, but do you know what a petard is? Yeah. It's a small bomb. Right. Did you know that, Fletcher? Well, I kind of just looked it up while you guys were talking. Okay. And then so you guys know, therefore, that if you looked it up, you know the origin of petard, where that comes from. No, that I don't. Do I? I, I thought I only knew it was French, but I have no it idea. It comes from one of the oldest ah, words. I just, I just looked. It comes from the old, <laughs> one of the oldest words in Indo-European. It goes all the way back to Proto-Indo-European, when Indo-European speakers were at the border of uh, in, somewhere in the, in the steppes. It comes from the word for fart. In Latin, it's pedere. In uh, ancient Greek, it's uh, perdume. And it goes all the way back. In French, it's petard. And the bomb literally is like a little fart bomb. It just blows up in a little way. <laughs> okay, now, what was the word the other week that we were talking about that came from... Because what, what, I to quizzle, and I know it wasn't. What, Fizzle. That was it. There's a lot of farting. Uh, I'm not kidding. I mean, like, a lot of words seem to come from farting. No, it's true. I, I don't think people realize how uh, vulgar uh, language has been. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of these words are, again, words we wouldn't necessarily use in conversation. I mean, we're not talking about being, for the most part, we're not talking about being hoist with one's own petard. We're not talking about tenter hooks, we're, all of these things. But there are words out there that we are going to use likely in, in conversation that, again, let's say younger people. I'm not trying to blame younger people for anything, but at some point people stop recognizing what these words mean or, or why we use them, and, and that that really does become a problem. Yeah, we were talking about words coming and going, and I had a, an occasion with that just recently. I was at the um, Robarts Library at the University of Toronto, and I didn't have my thumb disk, so I'd be I mean, in my thumb drive, so I asked if I could Xerox something. I asked a young woman who worked at the library, do you know where the Xerox machine was? And she looked at me with this look of, like, puzzlement, and then finally, then she goes, oh, you mean the photocopier? And that, that was fascinating because I, Xerox, to my generation, was the word that you would use to photocopy something. It was just basic. And then I mentioned this this uh, incident to someone else who's also my age, and she she had the same experience. People do not know the word anymore, or they do a slight translation, and and you can see Xerox as a as a verb is fading. 
rapidly, I think. Now, that really does surprise me because I also thought Xerox had gotten to the point of something like Band-Aid, where that was just the word for the action rather than the brand name uh, at this point. So I, I am I am very surprised that, that she was not familiar with the word Xerox. I really did think that that had taken over as, as the action rather than, than the machine or whatever. Yeah, like instead of photocopy. Right. I think it's probably accelerating now because I looked at the Google Ngram viewer and it's dropped considerably since the 80s. It's about half of the usage of the 1980s into the early 2000s. But that only goes to the early 2000s. I think it, I, I, I mean, this is unscientific, but it feels like it's really heading downhill. What gets me, though, is when you think about it, there's other phrases that are going out or don't mean what they mean, like dial a phone. It's, it's not, I mean, it used to be a dial. I mean, you know, you put your finger in it and you, you pushed it or pulled it or whatever you call that. Or flip channels. I mean, you, I mean, it was, you know, turn the channel sort of thing. And, and that fascinates me. Or is, are they going to go out? I mean, you still say them. I mean, you, st- you still talk about flipping through the channels, but you're not. You're pushing a button. You know what I mean? So do you think those are going to fade out? There are all sorts of theories about words coming in and going out. And one is that a basic core vocabulary has a half-life of, I think, like 8,000 years or something. Words that we use every day. Oddly enough, fart obviously is something that apparently, since it's so old, apparently is a word that we, that is not going to go away very rapidly. But then words, when they, when meanings change or whatever, then they, they begin to die out. And those are words that have a, a half-life of, you know, maybe decades. Yeah, you know, like faxing. I, I would suspect that faxing is going to be something you don't talk about shortly, because does anyone fax anymore? Doctors. Oh, they do, don't they? They do. But most don't. I had read some article, and I, I just want to throw this out since we're, we're on that. I mean, like, I'm not talking about words like groovy. I mean, like, we know groovy isn't, I mean, I don't think anyone uses it. But um, I had seen something that was saying, it was an article, it was in The Guardian. And they were talking about the uh, statistics about what word is going to go out completely at some point. And they thought the word dirty was the next one that was going to fade out of language. But they're saying over, like, 700 years. I mean, they're not saying, like, next week. They said that we're looking at different words for dirty in many different languages, and they thought that people were going to use new sounds for that concept because they evolve it's so dirt, quickly. Dirty as in, like, filthy or, or covered in dirt? A dirty floor. Oh, my like goodness. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all very scientific. And, I, I mean, I don't, to be honest with you, it's all about words getting displaced um, because of sounds and how, how, how things are. So it's, it's not the meaning. I'm going slightly off topic on that just because when I saw that, I just thought this is just so strange. That's an odd word to have go out. Uh, um... Yeah, it was the garden. They said it was, it's, 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 they talked about the evolution of the sound of the word in different languages was more rapid than any of the other words they were studying. They were uh, Reading University, it was. So they just, they, they think that, that the, the, sort of the way the word is built the sounds that it uses are sounds that are leaving the language slowly and so that is a word that would leave just by by way of of those sounds leaving the language i'm quoting the guy this is exactly what he said i found it just because i want to do it because i don't quite grasp it i i I must admit i'm ignorant on this one he said based on our statistics the next word to go under is the word dirty sometime in the next 750 years that is the most rapid rate of evolution of all the words we studied he found 46 different words for dirty across the languages analyzed uh, we expect people will be using a new sound for the concept of dirty. They'll point to a dirty floor and use a new sound to describe it. Hmm. Fascinating. 
That's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, it's something that I really want to go into more because I don't get it. Right now, I really don't. It's like I get like the word Xerox not being used as commonly, but I don't get dirty. Well, what they do though, I mean, there there is there, there are statistical analyses that you can do with basics. The languages undergo basic sound changes over the years. Their different languages have different sound changes. I mean, I think right. you can think about that. Like with, I remember reading an article on uh, Proto-Indo-European, the word for wheel as a W-H-E-E-L. And it was something like, and in Greek it's kiklos, and in something in Indo-European it was kwekalos. But then it became wheel in English because the sound changes. And the uh -huh. rules of English sound changes, I mean, English followed certain patterns of sound change. So I think what they're saying here is much the same. Those sounds are going to be on the way out, and other sounds are on the way in, I guess. I don't know. I'm interested in that. What I'm thinking is that we have a little bit of a dilemma here. We maybe want to use some of these words still. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with saying Quisling or Xerox, but it's also not fair for us to, say, look down on people who maybe don't understand what that means at this point. And in addition to that, we aren't aware, again, of a lot of words that maybe have gone out of fashion that that we still use until someone looks us with looks at us with that blank stare. So I guess I don't exactly know what we're supposed to do. It doesn't seem fair to us to have to stop using those words that are still maybe not common but not completely uncommon, but it also seems like in terms of needing to communicate with other people in the world that we also have to be a little careful. I think you're right. I think that you're absolutely right. I think that I think it, we've said this a million times. There's always that gray area in English and in language in general. And I, I think that you're on one hand, it's fine for us to use them, but we can expect that people might not always understand us. And on the other hand, it's definitely wrong to look down on someone who doesn't understand it because it, a lot of these are, are contextual with age. Um, and I think that you're seeing the change. Uh, one danger Kath and I both have, we have a friend who, who wants to be a writer and he's stuck in the 60s in terms of his vocabulary and if you're not a 60s person and we're not it's very it gets sometimes he uses so many idioms and so many touch points words which have special meanings to someone who was at woodstock for example that we can't understand it and i think that can be and really it's also dangerous. embarrassing i'm sorry you sort of feel awkward because it's sort of like you know what are you on the time machine yeah you know but I think we could use words like the person used quizzling in the above example. First of all, the use of quizzling there, it's sort of like a jewel in the sentence. It highlights what the person's trying to say. It's obvious, given how that word is used, that it's not a compliment. And I think that in that case, if it prompts us to look at the dictionary maybe once or twice, it's sort of fun and it makes the, the writing sort of interesting. I like that summation, Ross. I like the jewel in the sentence. I think that's, again, we go back to one of the beauties of language and why I think it's so important to love words. Because it's true. There, it's poetry. It is. That, that, you're absolutely right. I really like that. I applaud you. <laughs> Going back, though, the thing is, it's like we go back to what's fascinating me now. I'm looking at a list of words that different studies are saying. Fiancé, they're saying, is going out of style because it seems awkward. People prefer partner now. Um... Fortnite I never use, so that's out. Twice they're saying people are starting to think is slowly getting going out. People say two times more often than twice. So I'm curious to track these. That is interesting to see at the very beginning 
words that might be leaving the language. I never would have considered fiancé or twice as being words that might be leaving the language. But if we are at the very beginning of that, then that's interesting to see how that would develop. Yeah. I still am fascinated with like wind. I'm just looking at the other fossil words I had collected that we only use as wend your way. And nobody says like, you know, something wends there. Although we use the past tense of wend all the time, which is went. Oh, you're right. So that's why English, I mean, that's why the to go is such a bad, uh, it's such a, it's such a weird uh, verb because in the present tense is I go. In the past tense, it's in effect, I wended. I went. I gone. <laughs> I goed. <laughs> Actually, it used to be goed. In Old English, there's a word good, which would be the past tense of go. But for some reason, that one died out and wend came in. But wend in the present tense died out and go came in. So there you have it. Gee, I love English. <laughs> I'm so glad I was born speaking it. I didn't have to learn it after the fact, you know? Well, I wasn't born speaking it. I wasn't that precocious. This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod or email me at Powell at KMUW.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or even a review at Apple Podcasts. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross Petrus's newest book, That Doesn't Mean What You Think It Means, at your local independent bookstore. Kathy and Ross have written a lot more, and they've got a number of other things either coming out soon or in the works, and you can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetrus.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks. Oh, and one more thing. And this one's kind of on you. We covered a lot this episode, proper fossil words, obviously, but also words that are sort of dying out and words that might be dying out in the future. And I'm kind of curious what you're seeing. What are words you remember people using that just don't seem to be around anymore? Words you feel like used to be relatively common but now get blank stares? Technology words are easy. People don't talk about 8-tracks anymore. Computer disk probably won't mean anything before too long. Even something like iPod will probably disappear in the not-too-distant future. So I'm not really talking about those kinds of words. And of course, slang comes and goes quickly. Like Kathy said, nobody really goes around calling things groovy these days. I'm thinking more words like quizzling and Xerox, words that have meaning that are just kind of fading into the past. And yeah, I know both of those are names of things, but they developed meaning separate from just being names. So words like that. What words do you miss? What do you see fading away? Let us know. Like I said a minute ago, my email is powell at kmuw.org, or again, you can tweet us at ysiwpod. I know you. I'm positive you've got some of these words you just don't want to let go of. Send them to me. And thanks. Talk to you soon.